Welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 5.14, where we're back to dreaming about Allentown. This week, I thought we would discuss something that we both engage in and is in one little way associated to what we're later going to talk about, but games. So do you play games, like, with people? Um, what are you meaning here? Like, board games or interactive games or... Uh, sure. Do you enjoy them? Depends. <laughs> Depends. What What do you play? Years ago, you would talk to me, I don't know if we did this on the podcast, but you talked to me about how... On your birthday, you play games with your family. Uh, yeah, those are the... So, when it's your birthday, you have to leverage power, right? Because... <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay. That's your opportunity to make people do stuff they wouldn't do normally. Which is, which is nice the goal? Is the goal to make people do stuff? <laughs> no, it's just an opportunity. Okay. And so, yeah. That's when I pick all the games that my parents refuse to play. So, so you have a tradition of playing games with your family. Sure. And what game? What types of games do your parents refuse to play? They never want to play categories. Okay, so word games. Yeah. Because it's too much thinking. <laughs> I've heard that from people before. <laughs> yes, that's fair. And I love that game. You like scat? Well, you would be good at categories. I'm decent at it. I could, would think so because a lot of it is taking an idea and changing the wording so that it fits the letter, right? Well, right, and if you use the letter twice in the same answer, then you get the double points. Oh, yeah, okay. So, the word games. What there about... Was, there was the time we were playing, and it was things you don't show other people was one uh, was one of the clues, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, this could get interesting. And it was... K was the letter. Yeah. And so, my uncle went with KKK robes, and he got the triple, <laughs> the triple letter. That was one of the greatest category answers of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well that is that is true that is probably something that oh, some people would not show other people so i guess that does fall under that category okay so word games they don't want to play what games do they want to play um my mom likes rummy cube um i'm not even sure i've ever played that that's a little tile game a right? Tile game, yeah. okay um like, we, it, like is there a style of game they can play easier card games. Okay. Um, like Euchre? Euchre, yeah. All right. Uh, you know, Heart, Spade, stuff like that. Yeah. Simple enough. Um, Not your level of bridge that you and Craig just play? No, they don't know how to play bridge. My yeah. brother does a little bit, but not. Oh, interesting. Uh, what ab So what about, like, other kinds of board games? Like, there's strategy board games, right? Like, you sure. get Ticket to Ride or Catan. Yeah, they can play GTR. Do you... Um, <laughs> TTR? Is this, is this a... If you've been around, you, you, you know, know, you know the, the acronyms for these yeah. games. No, we actually got um, the New York, the little mini New York board. Oh yeah, uh, for Christmas I think. Oh okay, we haven't played it yet. But you like that game? Is yeah, that? I mean, that's that's one of the games that you leverage them into. No, they play no. that normally. We oh, play okay. That normally. What about Catan? Do you do that? I'm not a big fan. It's fine. Okay. I just think it's overrated. But... Because of the dice rolling. <sighs> no, I just think it's there's a lot of better games. Okay. And I don't like that it became super popular. What about better games? So you know, popular, it's kind of funny, but like, remember the game Pandemic? Oh, Pandemic's a great game, yeah. which is f ironic now, so, isn't so it? The thing about that is, 
The thing with cooperative games are it depends on who's the hoss, right, on that given night. Is, is it Terrace Reed? <laughs> or is he just big hoss? Because I've been part of cooperative games where other people are running the ship. And then I'm just like, well, I'm just going to leave because, like, you guys can win the game or whatever. <laughs> right? The thing about cooperative games are if there's someone who's really got it down, then you actually don't need the other players. And that's, but, the, but that's, thing. And the, that's point, the thing though. with the pandemic as well. Like, if you're the one running the show yeah. and you've got it all schemed out, then it's a lot of fun. But if you're the one just sitting there and then they're just like, now you're going to do this and then do, 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 so, then it's not as fun. Brian's a big board game guy. And he plays a lot of obscure games that are more like strategy and like deeper right. multi-level games. I've played many of those. Which is fine. Like, I've done a, some of those. It just, you have to be ready for it if you want like to. like seven hour games? I've he used to play one with with people, and one to, I I said one day I'd maybe go over and like watch everybody. I had no interest in trying to learn this seven hour game, but like watching people do it would might might be interesting because you you learn about people when they play games. But um, we were going through just different games, and like, do you like this or that or whatever? And I was like, pandemic, and he's like, no, I don't like that. And I was like, why? And he's like, because I I just tell everyone what to do, and then they do it, and then we win. <laughs> I'm like, oh well. Okay, but apparently you have that on lockdown, too. Are you usually the one that does that? Depends on who you're playing. <laughs> if somebody can wrest the power from you or come up with a better idea? Pretty much. So, interactive games. Party games? Uh, I don't play those super often. Do you like them or not really? Well, which ones are we talking about? Like the the team group games. Like the craniums, like the partinis, like that sort of thing. <sighs> I mean, they're okay. I like the more specialized, like the taboos and Pictionary and just more special. But those are, okay. So like if you played like a charade type of game or if you played right, a Pictionary. Because is just like a, a combination of all of those little mini games, right? And, yeah. And so I just like but it's, prefer the mini. So you don't find the variety more interesting? Not necessarily. And it, I find that people are more genuine when you play those kinds of games. Like you really get to know people when you do that. I mean, maybe. Well, because you have to, most people have to go outside their comfort zone. So you're sure. either going to like shell up and be like really terrified and not do anything, or you're going to be like, all right, you know what? Screw it. I'm going for it. And like, you're just going to sell out. And people usually, you can really connect to people when they do that because like you have to do that. And then you watch another person and then they nail it and you're like, oh man, good job. And then there's like a different sort of bonding experience. Or am I reading too much into this? Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I haven't played too many of those, to be honest. Um... But you've had like parties when you were younger and stuff that you did stuff or did you guys not play games um not sort of that kind of thing okay. um we had uh advisory in middle school which was like a 30 to 40 minute class period uh yeah. that was just basically you had a like a teacher and then like eight or nine kids and then it was just like hangout time basically <laughs> so like it would alternate it was just like a bonding sort of thing okay right? so like sure. some days there were like more meaningful things mm -hmm. where the teacher was like uh you know today we have to talk about like bullying or whatever right? like, <laughs> the teacher needed to so you know, like, like if, don't do it guys if there was an issue in the grade then like yeah the advisory like the okay. teachers would handle it there um but then otherwise it was just like random stuff yeah and so then we would like we played pictionary like all the time like in in advisory and stuff like and that. and you like that yeah, well, because you get a lot of people in a room and they start screaming and you get really into it, right? Because we'd be on the whiteboard. Right? Yeah. And then they, the know. competitive side of it. Right. And that's where I learned that what you do is you just start guessing right away. Sure. So the first line, then you just yeah. start guessing. So yeah. the first guess was always the Italian Renaissance. And then from there, <laughs> you just keep going. Don't you 
could that like mess other your teammates up? No, not no. Because I know people who guess random things that then confuses everybody else, and then you kind of start going down a rabbit hole, and then people stop guessing. So you're like kind of sabotaging your own effort. Yeah, I don't. Uh, we didn't really have that problem. Okay. So well, that's that was the most I played those kinds of games, generally speaking. I generally like them in, like I said, from the social standpoint, where you get to see people interact and you put people in, not like hard situations, but where they actually have to kind of commit to the moment. And I feel like that's an interesting way to get to know people, as you find out, you know, can you sort of work as a team or can you connect to people to accomplish a goal? I find that to be interesting. Sort of like winning a hockey game. Did I transition that one okay? Not really. All right. Should we go anyway? Okay. We'll just go with it. So Michigan hosts Penn State in a somewhat hyped series. Penn State uh, had a great start to the year. Michigan went there back in, what, October for like their, I think it was their ninth and 10th game, something like that. And uh, the first game was, they just didn't show up at all. Like, (laughs) I don't, I can't even remember if they got a really good shot on goal. And the second game they played really well for like 50 to 55 minutes and then completely collapsed and blew a three goal lead and ended up winning in overtime to rescue a second point. Uh, but it was sort of like a, a downer. Like you're, you get that goal and you're like, okay, well we just gave away a point for no reason. Uh, I believe that was during, wasn't it during a football game? Rutgers, the game. Rutgers game. That's yeah. right. Um, so, but Penn state's been pretty good. They've been more or less, 500-ish in the Big Ten, but they had a nice start to the year, and they were top three or four in pairwise, and Michigan has, since that Ohio State blowout on the first game back in the second half of the year, been pretty good. They beat Ohio State the second night, had, um, you know, an an up-and-down but mostly good performance uh, in Minneapolis, and then they come into this weekend hosting Penn State, top three team Michigan's ascending. They were at, what, six or seven going in, maybe eighth in pairwise coming into the weekend. And, um, you know, it was a real chance to make up some ground in the Big Ten and and in pairwise. And um, they've also done really well against Penn State at home, like traditionally. So you think this is a pretty good chance. Uh, the first period of the Friday game was, was certainly interesting. Uh, Penn State, I think, gets about 20 shots. And they really control play um but michigan gets the goals first we should note mackie scamas samuskevich hurt at the end of the friday game uh saturday game against minnesota didn't play all weekend jacob trust got hit by snuggerud on that major behind that his own net the end of saturday also he doesn't play so you're already a little bit shorthanded um and you know just is still out obviously nazar is still out and they were missing one. Oh, Steve Holtz has still been out, obviously. So they're basically icing everybody possible on the roster. Brendan Miles plays in the game for his first action. Actually, I didn't think he looked too bad. He wasn't Sports Center top 10 or anything, but uh, made good plays, got out of the zone, nice defensive checks. So, you know, he kind of was fine as a seventh defenseman, I think, and then sixth as the game progressed. But um, so. Kind of slow start. Portillo gives up a rebound off of his glove because he's still having catching issues. The next shot hits the bar, and you're like, okay, here we go. Uh, But Michigan is going to score pretty quickly as Casey gets in deep down the the right wing, looks for a guy in the middle, but the puck hits, I believe, a skate. 
kicks out to Jackson Hallam, walks in and fills the net. Um, kind of a fortunate bounce, I guess. But, you know, you put the puck in a dangerous area and sometimes it's going to hit somebody and hope your guy's on the other end. Yeah, and that one's hard for uh, Soulier to locate because it's, you know, taking a bounce. Right? Yeah. And so he's just, he's trying to track the puck at the same time the shot's coming at him. So that one is sort of a situation where if you just hit the net or <laughs> you put it in a spot where he is not actively standing, then you'll probably score. And there's a lot of guys, right? Like in and around Yeah, but it's the not slot. really screened. It's just real in tight, and he's able to really crank it. And and Hallam gets to it quickly. Like it's yep. not like hanging around. Yep. Right. And so you get a nice little finish there, a nice fortunate bounce. And pretty soon after that, Michigan gets their first power play. Hallam draws this one, getting tripped. Um, and Michigan goes fast. And, and Hugh, Luke Hughes comes down the left wing and kind of fades around behind the net and then pops out. Fires to Adam Fantilli, who's sort of stepping in from the right point, picks it into, it gets into the house and just fires into the net. You didn't think that Soulier did well on this goal, or it was kind of an iffy goal uh, on Michigan second. I mean, it's not a one-timer, right? And he's got a decent sense of where Hughes is. He sees him coming around the net. He's watching it, because Hughes doesn't pass it really from behind the net. He passes it kind of from the corner. And so Soulier is watching the puck. He's watching the puck. He's seeing it straight on when it hits Fantilli's stick. Fantilli winds up and shoots. So it's not really, you know, sliding or any movement. He's seeing it straight on. There's one Penn State player to his left, one Michigan player to his right, but he's got a clear sight line, and he just doesn't make the save. So, But you think he's been, you know, the thing with Penn State goalies is they've had some guys who have been a little iffy in net, and, you know, they create a lot in the offensive end, but then they give stuff away, and some of that is because their goaltending has been iffy at best. You, I mean, Soulier has... He's, he's had a good Has season. a good year. Has good numbers. However, yeah. on Saturday night, when Michigan scored the fifth goal, it was nine goals on 36 shots. That's not going to get it done. No, not... not. I mean, that's just... <laughs> and we'll get into this more as... not going to get it done. So. As, the, as the podcast progresses, but, you know, Penn State, while having guys that couldn't create an offense i did not think much of their defensemen as a full-on unit and in terms of no but that's the thing right is that we always talked about with peyton jones is like part of it is that to play for this team you kind of have to have a guy who can make some saves yeah and you know it's just you're gonna give stuff up in in the other direction and um you know so we are just didn't make enough saves for them this weekend as a whole so it's two nothing but penn state kind of controls the period like i said they got to 20 shots um portillo had his issues at times like not catching pucks maybe he's not seeing them very well um but he also made a number of saves he had a really nice one-timer save uh, going um from one side to the other on a cross ice uh quick shot um and then you know he got he made a couple play he got lucky because Puck hits the post later on towards the end of the period. The rebound comes out, and he makes a couple of really nice snags in traffic. I'm not sure if he saw them, but, you know, at at the end of the period, it's, you know, 20 shots to, I don't remember what Michigan had, single digits, somewhere, eight, seven, something like that. And But Michigan has the goals, and Portillo got the saves that he needed. And so in the end, you're kind of like, all right, not sure how you completely got there, but when you get there, you know, it's tough to complain about that. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a 2 nothing lead. <laughs> so the other thing before we get out of this period is Estapa gets a penalty for a face-off violation. Did you, did you get to look 
at this at all. I, I had a couple con- conversations with people about it, and we kind of talked about it. Um, did you have a take on that? Not really. Have you have you s- seen that much? I, I don't remember <sighs> really seeing that called very often. It was supposedly because he didn't leave the dot or something. Right? That was what people were saying. Was yeah, I heard also he wouldn't put his stick down in time, and they warned him, and then... No, I'm not really familiar with that, because... Is it in college hockey, right? It's like you can't get kicked out twice in a row. That's the problem. That was like a new. Yeah, rule you last get a warning. Year. Yeah, and I, then we saw that last year. I okay, think, one time, but I don't. I don't remember seeing this particular thing. Yeah, it was. I I didn't really track it. I mean, people people who I also trust that play hockey and know hockey mentioned it to me, and nobody seemed to be overly upset. So you know, I, I went with that. But um, it's one of those things that happens pre-play, and so. You know, I'm not always watching all the things are going on because you're kind of taking notes, trying to see what's going on. And sometimes the camera, when you're watching on TV, isn't pointing right at it. And then I don't know if they explained it really well or not on the broadcast. No, I, I mean, the Friday night game was not a, a broadcast. Oh, it was just the in-house cameras. And well, it was the in-house cameras. With the was, radio. With, with Al, yeah. Yeah, and that maybe didn't go as well, but... I mean, they the radio guys, they just don't, I mean, they don't have, like... A lot of knowledge in terms of what's going on right like yeah. they, they're basically calling the games the same way we are watching them yeah like they don't have i, they, I don't think they have spotters like they don't have people right down at the rink level to right. tell them what's going so on. you're just kind of yeah. hoping to see what you get so the second period starts and michigan is already off to a fast start here because um adam fantilli comes down the left wing and there's a shot on net and it's sort of under Soulier and Fantilli, but Fantilli sees it. And from my view in the press box, I was, I'm sitting down at that end and you could see the puck. Now, was it sort of wedged or not? I could not tell there. Fantilli said post game that he saw the puck, skated into it, jammed at it and poked it in the net. They called it a goal. They reviewed it and then they took it away. I don't remember if they gave an explanation as to why, but, um, he seemed to be rather upset about it. Um, I, I couldn't tell if it was frozen or not. I don't know what the rule is in terms of if the puck is visible, is it frozen? Or does it have to be completely covered? Do you know like the specifics on that? Not off the top of my head. Did you have a take on that goal, if it should have been a goal? or My take was, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I think I sent you that. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh boy, I don't know what they're going to do here. Well, I mean, that's also true of a lot of college hockey refing, but... No, but uh, that's what in the NHL, too. Like, whenever you have that where they're whacking away at the goalie. And, yeah. And, I mean, goaltender interference already is so opaque, but at least in some cases, it's a lot more cut and dry. That one is like... Urgh. So then right after that comes the controversial play where Penn State gets a chance going down uh, the wing. Uh, Schoen comes in um, kind of a sharpish angle, and Karen is trying to get back. Schoen lets the puck go. Karanen hits him, you know, what, a second or so, half a second after he releases the puck, sends him flying into the boards and tears up his ankle. And, you know, he's down and out. And then he's, I think he's, they've announced he's done for the year now because of that, the result of that hit. The, the hit itself didn't seem, I don't know. I've talked to a number of different people about this, getting a bunch of perspectives. Cause you know, I'm not, you know, the biggest hockey rules guy and I didn't grow up playing the sport. So I don't know the technicalities of this. Other people who I know have, you kind of get their opinions on stuff. One person was very definitive as to that is a major, that is, you know, a dirty play that can't happen. I have had multiple other people on the other side 
saying the exact opposite, where, you know, that's not even a penalty. And to me, when you look at it, it doesn't look like a penalty. Now, the argument for, you know, he ends up getting a major injury out of it, and he does kind of hit him a little bit late. It's not really hard. He's not against the boards. He's north of the goal line, but he's small, so he goes flying. And Karen isn't, Karen isn't the largest fellow on the team, but he was bigger than shown, and you just sort of had a bad accident. Yeah, it, it's not a super late hit. Um, it's late, but it's not crazy late. I mean, the shot's taken, and then it's about a, a second after. Is it finishing your check? Yeah, it's more in that territory. Um, it's not particularly egregious in terms of when it happens. Um, what about the location on the ice? It would be kind of like uh, there was that play in the Chiefs-Bengals game where I think the Chiefs had an interception off of it, but then they threw the DPI because the DB hit the guy in the back. Yeah, well, he know, was like a, a second early. He was there early, right? He was there just yeah. a little bit early. Like it's not like he got tackled way ahead of time. Yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, he was there just a little bit early. Yeah, and this is sort of a similar situation. It's like shot is taken and the hit, and it's like yeah, it's about a second late, but um, the reality is that like if yeah, if if it's a bigger guy, then he probably doesn't go that far and there's or no injury go and, very far at all no and there's no penalty more than likely so so it's results based yeah i think it which in fairness regarding other major penalties i would argue is a better way to do it than what they've done so i'm not going to complain about that but it did kind of feel like and we see this in hockey we see this in some of the other sports where there's a tendency sometimes of referees to just call stuff because it looks really bad yeah, right, like oh, that, so, that was that was bad. We got we got to do something. So do you tell Karen and you can't make that hit? Like, do, does he just not check the guy? You know, I would say maybe try <laughs> and pull up a little bit, or okay. at least just you know, because again, his, his shot was taken. So then there's less. You know, I'd much rather have him be putting pressure on the shot than the shot's taken. Go and retrieve the rebound than I would be to go sort of make that hit personally. But well, so they called a major. Karen is in the box and then is done for the game because he gets kicked out of the game um, because no one knows what the threshold is. There probably isn't one, but you get a penalty if someone deems you to have been bad, and I guess he was bad on that play, and so he's done for the night. Michigan luckily dressed seven defensemen, so Brendan Miles moves up to the third pair, or actually maybe even the first pair. I think they put him with Hughes. Um, And basically, you know, Right off the face-off, within just seconds, Penn State takes advantage and gets basically a one-timer from the top of the house. A good pass, a good shot, goes underneath the bar, and it's 2-1. to one. Um, the, the thing about that is, like, you know, Penn State controls play in the first period. Michigan gets the goals. So you're kind of like, well, I'm, like you said, anytime you're up 2 nothing. But the process was not great because, you know, if you give up 20 shots, period, giving up 60 shots you're probably not going to get like a 59 save performance. Those just don't happen very often. So Penn State is doing the things right. They're just not scoring. They get this goal so early in this power play that you have four plus minutes, four and a half plus minutes to get another or another or whatever. And, you know, all of the goodwill that Michigan had banked against the run of play is on the verge of collapsing. Um, They do a pretty good job of, killing off the rest of this power play. Portillo, in particular, makes a bunch of good saves. They get some clears. Um, so they get out of it. It's 2-1. to one. And 
you know, you're kind of surviving at this point. And then Seamus Casey takes over. He comes down the right wing, gets into some trouble, and it looks like he could turn the puck over pretty easily because he's in and around three-ish ice lions, and he's a defenseman. So when the defenseman gets low and turns it over, he's not back on defense, so someone has to get back. But somehow he stick handles through about two or three different guys, gets into the net, the last guy closes, dishes the puck to the slot to awaiting Rutger McGrory, who just fires it in because he's a shooter, and it's 3-1. to one. And that was not like the Luke Hughes explosion goal from Ohio State last year, but who boy, was that a play, stick handling. Yep, real nice play, and uh, kicks the puck into a dangerous area, and Rutger, really nice shot, puts it straight bar down over the shoulder, that's a tough save for for Sulier to make. I mean, and kind of, again, it's sort of, if you're the Penn State side, you'd say we need him to come up with one on a, on great shots, but, you know, they are great shots. So I mean, that's not one, right? I mean, he makes it, it's a great save, but you're no, not like, I mean, as we where always are say, you? Right, as we always say, a great shot could also be a great save. Well, there's a fair point to that. And in just the, the moments after that, uh, Penn State has the puck in their own zone behind the net. Really nice forward check from Fantilli. I thought he was great tonight. Uh, I mean, you know, he had a lot of points, but also just his play on the ice uh, shift to shift was phenomenal. His forechecking game, his use of the body being physical, uh, forces this defensive zone turnover, kicks it out to Philip LaPointe, who is not in a dissimilar spot from McGrory, shooting down the slot, hits him, and LaPointe buries it. It's four to one, and you're thinking, well, this is this not over, but it's over. Yeah, I mean, that was a, it's just the same thing. All these goals, they're all the same story. It's just a loose puck right there. You know, Michigan's in tight. The goalie is right there. They put a shot where the goalie isn't, and he doesn't come up with it. And that's just the story of this game. Good shooting and, uh, you know, capitalizing on your opportunities. Penn State has a chance to get back into it again. Uh, they have a two-on-one, and I wanted to highlight this because I thought, well, Brendan Miles was the guy that was back on it, and I thought he played this perfectly. When you're talking about playing a two-on-one, you can't be invisible. You have to be, A, decisive, and B, you have to commit to either the shot or the pass, and generally goalies are going to say, give me the shot, you take the pass. I don't want to have to move, and he does. He suckers the guy in, gets down, gets between him the potential pass receiver and the puck carrier and there's nowhere to go and and the guy the first guy in has to shoot portillo is right on it and makes the save and you know that's a great sign to see from somebody who hasn't seen the ice yet this year yeah i mean (laughs) i mean we've seen michigan not play you've mentioned we talk about omrs and you know you say the thing about three on twos is they don't have to be dangerous if you play them well and two on ones aren't the same but they can also be played well and really limit the damage. And it's really cool to see that from Michigan's, what, eighth defenseman, ninth defenseman on the roster? I mean, you just, as always, just have to take away the pass. Right? That's what we say on two-on-ones. Yep, and he did it perfectly. I wanted to shout him out for that. Um, and then Adam Fantilli makes maybe the worst hockey decision of his life. Would you say that? Where he gets the puck behind his net, is trying to reverse it back to one of the defensemen, uh, but that defenseman is clearly being checked and finds a wide-open Xander uh, Z- Lampa yep. who just walks right in front and beats Portillo. And um, 
you know, just nothing really Portillo can do with that. And you just see Adam Fantilli, who's having an awesome night, just standing in the corner with a stick over his head like he's going to break it. And he's like, what did I just do? And uh, it's like what it was um, the Matt Hasselbeck thing, right? In overtime, we're going to take, take the, the ball, ball and we're going to score yep. and then throws a pick six and yep. within a few plays. Yep. And that was just like that play where it, not that Fantilli said anything, but, you know, that kind of pass is just like, well, what was that? <laughs> you know, And, you know, it happens. You're. It happens in the NHL. People make bad plays, but um, does he get an assist for that or no? Not on the score sheet. <laughs> okay, but in our hearts. So it's 4-2 at the end of two. Um, Penn State kind of back in it. Again, you know, they're getting shots. They're getting chances. And then Michigan has kind of an interesting third period. Um, don't get a ton of chances early. They're kind of going to lockdown mode. Um, I wrote that down about 12-12 because at that point, it looks like they're just being very careful and cautious in their own zone, which isn't the worst thing to do. Um, they get a two-on-one late, fan, or a little bit later. Fantilli and Brindley come in, but they can't do it fast enough. And so there it gets across, make, shuts down Brindley's save. But then, you know, the the pressure gets kind of turned up, and Penn State gets about a two- or three-minute, I call it a siege, because basically it's like one of those forever shifts where they get in the zone, they're skating around the the net, Guys are changing. Michigan can't get it out. Michigan can't get a change. Penn State is getting chances, and they're getting guys out. And they're getting a fresh line, and they're getting more chances. And, you know, Michigan does hang on. Portillo makes a nice play. Finally, T.J. Hughes is able to get a clear. But, you know, you're right on the edge, and it's not it's not in those last few minutes where you're like, well, we can give up a goal and then hang on for a couple of minutes. You still would have time left. And, you know, we hadn't seen Michigan that really happen to Michigan in a while. Uh, it's going to happen sometimes, but... Um, you know, Penn State had their chances, they just couldn't get anything. I mean, this third period in general was just a, another big one because we've been looking at these tests throughout the season and the problems Michigan had in the first half of the season uh, closing out games. I mean, remember Western Michigan? They had three two-goal leads, four yeah. two-goal leads yes. in one At weekend. Lawson, yeah. Well, in both games. Remember that first game? It was Did two they... It was 2 nothing. then it was 3-1, then it was 4-2, and then they finally won, like, 5-4 or whatever okay. it was. I mean, like, it... Yeah. And then the second game, same story. And against Penn State in the first uh, weekend that they played, you know... The, three, the Saturday the game. 3 nothing game. I mean, you know, this was, like, a common thing. And so there was the Saturday game um, against Ohio State uh, in January where that was, like, the first test of the second half to close a game out in the third period. They got through that a little bit uh, sketchier than you might like. <laughs> and so this was just another one of those tests where you're up two goals against a team that can really play offense, 20 minutes, and can you get it to the finish line? Well, and then last week where they did not. Well, those were one-goal leads, but yes. Well, that's fair. That was also, you know. And um, so they get their first empty netter. Then with a few minutes to go, Fantilli wins a race to a loose puck in the neutral zone, just skates all the way down and scores from you know just a few feet away, skates around towards the corner, and then just points like a referee along the goal line at the goal. Like, well, this one counts because you took the first one away from me, which was fun. It also effectively ended the game at that point. Um, that's when I turned it off. Oh, that's when you turned it off. So you missed the ensuing three goals? Well, I watched them later. Oh, okay. I was like... Well, because then I finally scored, I was like, seventh. I was like, what? <laughs> it's five to two with two minutes to go? And there were, what? <laughs> so then, so the Penn State still pulls their goalie, which down three goals. Do you pull your goalie down three goals? No. Okay. That's, 
five to two, like unless it's the Stanley Cup Finals, is a regular season game. Yeah, like, this is when that happens. That's when the two teams just skate around and pass back and forth, so the game is over and we go home. Yeah, it doesn't happen in Michigan games. I don't know how many of them you watch, but like they just—I I was talking to people about this, and I probably wrote about it or tweeted about it. But I was like, they, Michigan hockey games just don't end. Like someone has to get in a fight, someone has to go into the stands, somebody has to score four goals. Somebody like you just can't have a game that when it is effectively over with two or three minutes to go, it can't be over. We still have to have a whole, well, hullabaloo and hootin' nanny. Yeah. So Luke Hughes then decides, all right, I am about as far as I can possibly be from the opposition net. Let's go for goal. And he hits it from like, I think it was uh, Peter sitting next to me. He's like, well, that's a 198-foot goal. <laughs> and just cans it yeah, from like behind a, his own net. It's like 185, 188 <laughs> maybe. Okay. It's 11 feet from the red line. So you're shooting. So from the end boards to all the way into the other net would be 189. Okay. And he's slightly in front of them. Okay. So it's like a 185. Okay. Shot. So now it's six to two. And I love those. Those you are, do. Yeah. You think you think guys always go for net on those? Well, a few years ago when Philip Peronick for the Red Wings was doing that, he yeah, had like four or five of them in a year. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was just dead on accurate. Yeah. Any time from anywhere on the ice, he could hit the kid. Did he spend too much time practicing those? <laughs> Instead of like, like remember when getting better at hockey? Remember when there were all those videos of Juwan doing the like. Oh, the, the flip. like his first year in yeah, the his league, first year, where yeah, he does yeah. the backwards yeah. from midcourt. Well, at least he's retired, and he's and you're not like like if it's Hunter, right? And Hunter's doing that, you're like, hey, maybe learn, maybe work on your post moves, maybe move could, your feet on could, defense. Uh, Terrace Reed, try that as a free throw. <laughs> Can you shoot with your back to the basket for free throws? How much money would you pay? <laughs> To see Terrace Reed walk up, turn around, and then just throw the ball backwards, and then make it. Would would basketball cease to exist if that happened? It would be very funny. <laughs> so it's six to two, and then with like I don't know a minute two left, uh, there's like a scrum in front after a shot on net after a face off, and Xander Lampa throws one in. Somebody said that this one was called back, or they they re. Um, he gave the goal to somebody else. We didn't have a hat trick. I didn't see that. Uh, let me but, look at the back um, Anyway, I, I wanted to shout yeah, him out no, for... They, they gave him to Alex Servagno. Okay. So, no hat trick for Lampa. He had two goals, but uh, apparently not this one. So then it's 6-3. to three, And then I, the game still isn't over. And the only reason we're bringing this up is... I, Luca Fantilli makes a nice play getting out of the zone... Uh, dishing the puck and then skating towards the net, gets a return pass, um, catches it on his backhand, switches to his forehand, and then beats Soulier, who's back in net after giving up the two empty net goals. You know, I don't know. I don't really care about this goal. If I'm Penn State, you're kind of like, dude, whatever, like end the game. But apparently not because within how much time was it? Was, what, what did we have? Like four minutes, five no, minutes? Wasn't, uh, that one wasn't Soulier. Oh, they brought in Granin. Because yeah. Soulier was pulled. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Well, four goals on 14 shots. Yeah, subpar. Um, and then, so that was Granin. Yep. But, so we have four goals within the last four minutes, five minutes, three minutes, something like that. Uh, two or three of them basically meaningless. Too much. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, Michigan hockey games don't end. They just continue with, with craziness. Anything less left on Friday or? No, Friday was the, the less important game. So so we'll take a break and come back and talk about the more important all-hyped Saturday game. I can't believe I'm doing this. 
if you find yourself in the penalty box. You want a Michigan man arguing your case? Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Michigan, first of all, won a Friday night game, won for the first time since I think I said Michigan football was 7-0, and so that puts it at, I think it's a Western game. I think going into that game at Lawson was the, was the first, was the last time Michigan had a chance to sweep a series. And that was MSU weekend. Right, yep. because I remember following that game online, and that was the game that we referenced about Michigan blowing leads and then they did in that game winning in overtime um so they finally win their friday night game and have a chance to go for the sweep but also you know michigan fancies themselves as a a tournament team and a team that doesn't probably want to be on the road in the big 10 tournament right away um you know you can you can split but as we know last week nobody moved anywhere except msu because they didn't play they moved down but you have to gain points in a weekend over teams. And part of doing that is getting points out of both games and getting more than three points. And so, you know, they, in the end, outfinished Penn State on Friday. But if you're going to make some hay on a team that's in front of you, you have to do it again on Saturday. Well, also, uh, on Friday night, Michigan got a lot of the breaks that we wanted. I mean, not the Notre Dame-Wisconsin, because yeah, hoping Wisconsin's going to give you help is... Yeah, it's just not something you count on. Waiting for Godot. So, um, but they got the help from Minnesota on Friday. And then by the time they were taking the ice on Saturday, they were getting help from Minnesota again yep. against Michigan State. So it was really an opportunity to, you know, move all the way up. And in this very tightly packed, um, you know, conference standings to make a major move. Also, pairwise as well. Yes, because while it is a home game, so you don't get the. F- all the credit because of, you know, I mean, th- the road wins are the big ones, right? Right. For me, this was, you know, I've, I've been more of a stodgy character in the discourse <laughs> for this year <laughs> okay. uh, relative to most people, especially on the Narado and other things, right? Stodgy? I'm not easy to impress. And so I was saying... In any way? <laughs> I was saying, go out and actually do something. Yeah. Go out and actually sweep a series against a good team that yeah. we can talk about if you're a real contender. Yeah. And so for me, it was like Friday night. Okay, good. But this for me, Saturday was show me you're a real team. Well, show that, me you can actually string together two wins. That's been 
the difference between Michigan football this year and Michigan hockey and basketball is you can look good sometimes, but then right. other times right. you look like some poo. So this was the this was for me, you know, when they needed to show prove themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it didn't start well because <laughs> no, <laughs> the like the first or second uh, entrance into the zone, uh, you know, within fifteen twenty seconds. The uh, Penn State has a it's it's not an odd man rush it's kind of everybody's coming back at the same time and a pass goes across uh almost all the players on the ice from one side to the other and the shooter is open um, and he beats Portillo um you know I didn't go back and look is is this the best play it, you know should Portillo have had a chance on this should he have made that save I did see that there was no one checking the shooter and. I thought the puck went through Brindley a little bit, and he could have been a little bit better. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you wonder, you know, this is the first shift of the game. How engaged are you? Are you in sort of the feel-out mode where you're going to skate around for a little bit, and are you ready to go? Penn State was ready to go. Um, it looks like uh, somebody mentioned to me, like, eh, it kind of takes an unfortunate deflection. Yeah, I think But there's so. nobody on the guy either. I've been trying to watch this. I think I think it goes off Keaton Pearson, right? It could. Uh I mean I it goes across. I mean it it yeah, the, I mean it's just like the pass can't go across there. I yeah. mean, I mean that's like the central problem. Well, because there's because so many got, people. You've got, yeah, you got three three Michigan players in a line across. Yeah. It goes through all of them. So That's just no, I mean it not, those not, things happen, but no. this is how you give up a goal in the first 20 seconds of a hockey game. And then on the ensuing face-off, Fantilli, I guess he breaks his stick something because as soon as the face-off is, is won, he, I don't, I don't believe he has a stick in his hands, and he jets straight for the bench. So already Michigan, for the next you know five to eight seconds, is down a player. Penn State wins the puck, and they go north fast, and they get into the zone, and you know Edwards gets to his guy, but doesn't like completely take him out of the out of the play. He kind of is on him, but he doesn't com- like tie up his stick. And you know he gets a redirect, and it goes by Portillo. And again, that's you know a goal where you're, I don't know. It's hard to put that one on Portillo because it's a it's a no. It's a it, pass that I mean, changes direction. Portillo maybe has a shot at it, but that's on Casey and Edwards. Casey can't yeah. let that pass through, and Edwards just gets beaten. Yeah, he just gets beaten. He just gets out muscled. Loses position, and, and that's always going to be your concern with Ethan Edwards, right? He gets boxed out, and the guy just tips it over. And forty-four seconds into the game, it's well. So two here's to the thing: they didn't, they weren't really showing us that. Like, so they did the re, like they sh- the first goal replays were okay. winding up. They cut yeah. back to the action, <laughs> yeah. and the goal is in. Yeah. So I was so. By the way, I was cooking during this, right? And I was. <laughs> so just, do you mean cooking in like the? The metaphorical sense, or were you actually the cooking? Sense. Okay, so you're actually cooking. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was just getting ready to put the food in the oven. Because some of the rest of us were like cooking, you know, <laughs> like when this was going on. But um, so, and you know, the game just starts, and then you know, just you know, and they're just like, "What's going on?" Oh man! And then, <laughs> and then they're showing us the replays, and then they cut right back, and they're like, scores. And I'm just like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, Zook looks down. Forty-five <laughs> seconds, two goals. Peter and Zook and I are all sitting there, and Zook just kind of looks down with a look on his face, and we're all just like, "What?" <laughs> I just laughed because you're like, "What?" I mean, this, I, I, like, I've seen goals in the first thirty seconds of a game. I mean, that's happened before, and even you know, but 
two on consecutive shifts Maybe in the first minute. Maybe they six seconds after a face-off are you, at center ice. Like, that just can't happen. Even if Fantilli's stick breaks, you're, you, it's no, still it, five no, on four. No, it, it just can't happen. Like, you... And so you're like, well, did the alarm even go off in the locker room? Like, is anyone ready to go for this game? Like, people are hyped up, and you're just kind of, and then Michigan is down to nothing, and the game isn't even a minute old. And <laughs> it's like giving up a, like a kick six and then a pick six, and you're just like, okay, well, there's 14-20 left on the clock, and it's 14-0. to What the hell just happened? So, um you know, after it, that, it's yeah, it's like giving up a kickoff that's run the opening kickoff, run back for a touchdown, and then throwing the pick six. Right? That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the best analogy. And yeah. I was trying to think of other one. I mean, I guess back to back homers to lead off a game <laughs> that would be another. <laughs> Not one. good either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least that's only like one, right? And I think is it. It's probably easier to score a run in baseball than it is. Didn't a Golden Spate hockey? throw two pick sixes and like two straight passes right against Florida? That wasn't the start well, of the but, game, but that was like just like back-to-back possessions. Was it? Was I it back-to-back? Back? It was pretty close to each other. One of them went off Kirkall Crawford's hands. Yeah, but it was behind him. Okay. Um. So it's just like you, it was you, also remember that Michigan basketball game against Indiana, where Michigan was up like twenty-three nothing to start the game, like four and a half yeah, minutes at in. Indiana. Yeah, I was and they, at that game, and yeah. they were going to fire Archie Miller at halftime. Yeah, the fans, because we, the fan, we were right next to the fans, and they were in our crowd mic. Like yelling obscenities, we had to turn the crowd mic off. <laughs> was that a good time? It was interesting. Yeah, I bet it was. So we 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 preface all this with like this sort of hyped up game, you know, the biggest game at Yost to date this year, and Michigan just airballs the first thirty five seconds, forty five seconds of the game, and you know the best thing about that, right? You know, we talk about this is you get a two goal lead because Michigan's been blowing all these two goal leads at different times during the year. You get a two goal lead. But when do you want the two-goal lead? In the third, late in the third, in the first two minutes, you know, you have so much hockey to play left, and the game hasn't even presented itself with the way that it's going to be called, the way that who has the energy, what's going on. You just basically give one team a handicap, and then the rest of the game has to play It's one out. of those things where your perception of it, I think, is very different if you're the team with it versus the team without it. Because for me, as a team without it, you know, you've fallen out of your chair and you're trying to get back up yeah. and you're like, oh, this is bad. And I don't know if right. we're going to be able to come back in this game. If you're the team with it, you're like, oh, man, we're going to blow this. 59 minutes <laughs> well, to go. If you're a Michigan fan, probably. Yeah, if but you're just a, if you're an Alabama fan or a... Alabama hockey fans are, are pretty good, so. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Um, I thought they actually... They Huntsville, right? I don't think they're a team anymore. Yeah, uh, They made the tournament one year. Rest in peace. But that was a while ago. Uh, so, it, it. But like I said, you know, the, the period kind of, like, Penn State starts their whole thing again where they control play. And obviously, you know, we talk about that. I think shots were like 6-0 or something to start. But Michigan starts to even it out. They get a power play. It actually looks good. They get some movement on it, cre- create a couple chances. They don't get a goal. They don't get that grade A chance. But it was like, okay, this is a little bit better. And as the period goes along, you know, well, there was this crazy stretch from probably oh, probably 12 or 11 minutes down to, I think, four and a half where, like, there's no whistles. So, like, the period is just almost over. And and Michigan has, you know, some, some time during it for sure. Um, they start controlling some play. Um, but they just can't. They just They just can't get 
a goal and you kind of want a goal in that period because you're like, how oh, we just get one back, we can eliminate it and we have the rest of the game you're kind of moving forward, chipping away. Um, but Moyle takes, okay, so this was a call like towards the end of the first period and Moyle got two minutes for, I didn't even know what it was. I wrote down something, but um, it, they review it and it looks like he's trying to check a guy on the boards and misses him, but then they review it and they call a penalty for what later gets noted as indirect contact to the head. Had you seen that one before? Because Zook and Peter, the guys I'm sitting with, didn't even know that was a penalty. They'd never even heard of that there one. There are no rules. They just, they just make up penalties. <laughs> it's, it's Calvin Ball. It is. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's. It, it was honestly one of those things that was going to make the not top ten. I mean, he goes in for the hit, and he just misses. Just and, fans. And he gets a tiny piece of the dude's kisser, right? You know, just the little front piece. Okay. You know, the, the cage. Yeah. Right? And the lower, like, chin area. Yeah. And, but, like, for the most part, he misses. I mean, it's just like, you know, just like, I mean, it. the penalty was a factual description of what happened. <laughs> he indirectly <laughs> contacted a small part of the head in an otherwise missed check. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. We're trying not to talk about refing, but it's re- it gets really hard. So I mean, I'm not interested about refing screwing Michigan as much as I am just the absurdity and incompetence. The sheer incompetence across the board. <laughs> it's just very stupid and funny. But this is note worth noting that Penn State after um Pearson had a had a big block and they get the clear pretty early. Penn State then holds the zone pretty much for the rest of the time. And I think they get seven shots on goal because Portillo has about I think seven or eight saves. I'd have to go back and look at one of those two. Um on the power play, which is an insane amount for one power play. It's a lot for a game. But it's it's Penn State. True. But you're also down two zero. Yep. One of these goes it, it in. Was, it was a big stand, no question. Yep. And then Michigan gets a little bit lucky because right before the period ends, Penn State gets a two-on-one, and Portillo is beaten because the pass gets across, but the puck goes through the guy's skates, and he can't get a stick on it. And This was a Luke Hughes one, right? He was the one back. It could have been. Because I'm doing a shift-by-shift thing for Luke Hughes okay. and for this game, and I was watching that over and over and over again and trying to figure out if he did a good job or a bad job here. Okay. Did you come to a conclusion? <sighs> I think it was good. I think that what he did here was the reason that the pass wasn't... Was off. Was off. Okay. That's, that was my conclusion, but I'm not totally sure. So if you... Because they don't show us enough angles, so... <laughs> well, it's BTN. It's actually actual, actual BTN, not even BTN Plus on Saturday. Right. Um, so if you play a two-on-one in a, such a way that the pass gets across, but it's errant, then you've potentially done a good job. If the pat, If you... Force a bad pass. If the pass is not complete, it's you like did a, your job. It's like a pressure on a quarterback where then it forces the throw off. You did your job. The guy could be open, but if the, if the blitz say. gets there. If the corner falls over and the guy's wide open, he drops the pass, still incomplete. <laughs> well, okay, but that's that's someone else making a mistake. It's forcing the I mean, mistake. In, in hockey, it's, a lot, it's not that easy to yeah. say that, right? Like okay. You can go down, and if the pass gets by you, but it's not complete because they had to skip it over you right. and then it was too hot. I mean, it's... Yeah, well, but then that's... It, it, it's all coincidental. Like, yeah. you know, well, every, everything leads to another thing. But it doesn't get through. The shot, there is no shot because right. you can't get to the puck and Michigan escapes. They're down 2 nothing. 
Um, and it's doesn't it's they also give twenty shots in the first period, I believe, because they were outshot a ton. Um, and you're just not feeling great. There's plenty of time left. Michigan definitely has the talent and the goal scoring ability to be able to get back into it. But it's just like, come on, guys! Like this is this is the game you're waiting for. This is the one that if you win, all of a sudden you're vaulting to a different level that we haven't been this at this point this year. And it's at home against team you generally control. And Penn State, while being good, is always beatable because they don't have the the high end talent. They don't have all of the finishers. They usually are leaky on the back end. And so you play well You with the talent that Michigan has. You can beat them. So starting the second period, I had it written down as sort of free-flowing. There's a lot of um, up and back and forth, uh, a lot of open ice, which is good. We like that kind of hockey. Uh, Penn State does get a breakaway but they don't take advantage of it. Portillo makes a save, and then they get a two-on-one. So you're just living dangerously here. And then this is when the first controversial thing happens, and you have, or maybe the most controversial thing. Penn State gets called for a slash. Michigan has their second power play. Their first one looked good. You're like, okay, here's your chance to get back into it. And they they have, like, maybe the worst power play that they had all year. Like, they couldn't even get the zone. They, They couldn't set it up. This was, again, a crucial time. Nothing. There's just nothing. And then with 10 seconds left, they finally gain the zone. Adam Vantilli has the puck at a really sharp angle. Duke kind of crashes the net, and he throws it in. I couldn't see if Duke got a stick on it or not, or if it just got lost in Soulier. But the puck somehow ends up in the back of the net. So I made this one happen, because I <laughs> I messaged you. I knew you would, like, you I messaged would claim you, credit for it. Right? And I said, like... I was just very frustrated about this. And yeah. I was like, I love when they just pass back and forth from the wings to the top and then shoot into bodies. Yeah. And then right after that, they get it down low, and then they, boom, they score. And I was like, ha, look at that. <laughs> now Hughes, I am the kingmaker, Alex. Now, Hughes is really good on this play. He draws in pressure at the top. Okay. He sees a Penn State guy in the circle totally sleeping, gets it down low, and then you got two-on-one down low. With Duke in front, and yes, it's from a bad angle, but that's a real opportunity for Fantilli. There's space down low yeah. for him to operate, where he can get the yep. he can get the shot in. Yep. So nice job there, and then it goes in, and then and then there is a wave off because obviously because Penn State then challenges for a major penalty about 45 seconds before this goal. And I still haven't really seen the hit. Uh, people I have did. described it. You've seen it. Yep. Um, Edwards is kind of spinning and turning and bumps a guy in the head. So here's what I'll say. Okay. This is the worst rule of <laughs> any sport I follow. Easily. It's not good. However, this is really bad from Ethan Edwards. Not malicious, just very stupid. And I would be very upset if I were Brandon Narado. Because the guy, the Penn State guy has the puck high in the zone. He's about to just dump it out. And he dumps it out, and Edwards just comes in and clocks him. Now, it's not a major penalty in my book. It's not a ton of head contact. He, but what's the point of that? Okay. We're on the power play. Yeah. What are you doing? He, he clocks him in the head. He, he hits him, and there is some hit to the head, sure. It's not a malicious hit. It wouldn't be a penalty in my book. But again, Why? It's sort of like Why are you <laughs> It's sort of like the puck the ball is gone. He's and about the, to go clear it. Go get the puck. We're yeah. on the power play. That's not when you're hitting. <laughs> it's just It's like when the ball is gone from a quarterback's hand and you just bump into him anyway because you're there. Sure. And it, it, then you get a roughing the passer. It just doesn't make any sense to me. What was the point of that hit? There was So the the frustration 
the real frustration beyond the whole goofy rule and costing the goal and all that is more like, what are you thinking in this moment? Like, what? where is your hockey IQ? Yeah, it's it's more that based on the way they're calling the rule book, we've got to be smarter than that. Yeah. We've got to avoid just stuff that doesn't have a purpose. So we both talked about it, and we think that these goal reviews for these major penalties are ridiculous. And, I mean, if you really want to launch into it, we, we can talk about it. Um, we've talked about it before. It seems very... I mean, I went in, I was... I was you were lit on Twitter. I was very upset. Because it was just a... So here's the thing. It was just a really bad viewing experience. And I, in general, have a lot of issue with uh, various NHL analysts, and I talk about a need for more sort of uh, reflexive positivity among people to try and sort of uh, support uh, the sport. In the okay. game of hockey, and I want more people to be like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. We love watching this, blah, blah, blah. Because it can be. And I think that baseball, for example, has started to turn that corner. And no matter how much you think Ben Verlander is cheesy or whoever, right? You know, Sarah Langs is another great one. People that just are like, baseball is awesome. We love baseball. We're going to tweet about how awesome this sport is. Okay. There needs to be more of that in hockey. That's always been my opinion. Okay. There's a lot of very surly people who love to complain about everything. You, so, so you need some social media so my managing. Opi- my opinion is that we need more positivity, et cetera, et cetera. So when I am like, this sucks, <laughs> like I just don't want to watch NCAA hockey anymore. When I'm the one saying that, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Like this is not an enjoyable viewing experience, not just for my team, but like that any play can just be reversed because of you know, blindfolded, throwing darts at a dartboard replay reviews. Like, that sucks. Well, I, I don't want to watch that, frankly. I was... <laughs> I, I just don't. I would have better things to do with my time. I was on the verge of, like, stopping covering the game. Because I was just like, why even do this? This is... This doesn't make any sense. So we've already gone round and round in the NHL about the offside reviews. Because they're they're bad. Yeah. But my opinion is they need to change it to be that a goal has to be scored within five to ten seconds okay. of the entry to make it reviewable. Because after that point, you've had enough chances. You to get back in zone. the zone, you play yeah. defense. So that's already bad enough. It's already bad enough in the NHL when anytime there's an iffy entry, the assistant writes it down in his little notebook. <sighs> and so in case a goal is scored, they hope that the replay gods can bail them out. That's bad already. Yeah. But at least offside reviews are black and white. They yeah. are. There's just a thing that is either it's offsides or it isn't. We yep. all know what it looks like. We all know how to find it. Yeah. So we're doing that same thing, except I think it can just happen any time. Like, at least with offside reviews, it also has to be on that same possession in the zone. This could, I I think I haven't looked at the rule, but... Since the last stop it, since I last guess. Since the last stop it. That could be five minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. Well, That's and- crazy. Number one. Number two, we're doing it about a thing that no one knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's... So you're already you're taking this already fundamentally bad and broken thing that everyone in the NHL agrees, except for Gary, needs to be changed, and you're making it infinitely worse by changing the type of penalty to something that's opaque, and you're opening it up to possibly infinite amount of time, up to 20 minutes. If there were no whistles in a period, in theory, could be any point in the period. But also, it's not then that the goal gets waved off. It's then that there is a major power play that's the other, for the other that's team. That's the other problem with this. And probably a game misconduct because most of the time when that happens, there's a game misconduct. So now, there isn't always because why have definitive rules? Why have a threshold? It's just flip a coin or we are going to call it now, but we're not going to call it now. So we talk about how much we don't like the targeting penalty. Yeah. 
and that one is potentially severe because of the disqualification. Sure. But a 15-yard penalty is inherently not that meaningful. No. can be, but it's not that. Depending on the context, but right. yes. But overall, it's only 15 yards. Yeah. A major penalty is a big, big deal. It's a 60-minute game. It's one-twelfth of the game. Yep. 8%, right? Yep. Or 8.5%. Yeah. So that's already a big deal. Number two, any team with a good power play should expect to score at least once. You would on think. On that major penalty. And it could be more. And if you're nullifying a goal, that's potentially a two-goal swing, or, which yeah. it was in this game. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah. That's like akin to what? Like an 80-yard penalty in football? Maybe just seven points on the board? Like... That is a way bigger infraction than any penalty in the football rule book, any penal, any foul in the basketball rule book. Well, and, and I mean, it is a they're just being it is the equivalent of the death penalty, right? I mean, it's like yeah. the guillotine, and we're just not we don't do that for shoplifting. So it has to be akin. the The punishment cannot be thirty times more severe than the crime. And right now, we have hits that don't have malicious intention, yeah. that don't have injuries involved, yeah. being given out. The ultimate punishment. That's crazy. <laughs> it makes no sense. And, you know, the NHL, and when you watch the NHL, they don't give out major penalties no. very much. I mean, you, you think have about to the like... number in a season that you see. Not very many. And then think about how many you see in a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, we all remember the one between Vegas and San Jose. And Well, there's the Kane and Kadri one last year. Yes. there and, been... and that one was probably legitimate. But... Right. There are not many. There are not many. And, like, after the Vegas San Jose won, especially because of what happened after it, then it was like, now we, we're even less going to give those out. Yeah. And you just don't see them. It has to be something really bad. Like, you know, the there was one in the uh, Leafs Lightning series last year when Kyle Clifford just crushed. Oh, Ross yeah. From that was, like, game one, though, face right? Face first into the boards. He's, like, bloody. Like, it was like, yup. That's it. Like, that was really bad. Yeah. And we all agree that he needs to, to be removed for that situation. That's what it's reserved for. It's reserved for a situation in which a player has done something that everyone is like, oof. And the player is, you know, in several pieces on the ice. Yeah. That's when you bring that out. You do not bring it out in these other situations. Do you, do you bring it, it out? It doesn't make any sense. Six times in seven games or whatever it is for Michigan. <laughs> no, it just makes no something sense. Like that. And and six out of seven so weekends I think or something. At the end of the day, if you're gonna have this construction, you have two ways to go about it to make it a better viewing experience. Number one, we are playing by NHL rules, and we're just gonna play. And you know, there are gonna be contact to the head because it's hockey. I already give them masks, which the NHL doesn't have. So you already have a cage. These so guys, it's not, right? You're not gonna take pucks to the face. You're not you gonna take say, sticks to the you face. You say fundamentally. There's going to be contact to that because it's contact sport, and these guys signed up for it. Yep. Right? It's like they're, football. They're not conscripted to play hockey. They chose to do this. Yeah. Number two, other option, is we're going to play women's hockey's rules. We're going to play nobody checking, and that's going to be the way it's going to go. So, no like, contact to the head, and it's going to be maximum safety. So, And that's another way to do it. Like flag football. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. You know, you may have a preference which one you prefer, but that is another way to do it. Yeah. Those are the two ways to do it. Yep. You can't have it both ways. You can't have... We're going to play, you know, physical contact, body checking hockey, but there will never be contact to the head. Not possible. These are human beings. They're moving very fast. They're hitting each other. It's just going to happen. 
Yep. And you have to accept that. And if you can't accept it, then you play without body checking. You're just... But you can't have it both ways and pretend we're doing something for safety by throwing out these random penalties that have 20% win probability swings on the game that no one really knows why they happen or when. I mean, it's a terrible viewing experience. But these are the same people that came up with the NCAA hockey tournament as a one-game thing. Well, so, and that's what I mean is like these... You're assuming that the NCAA or the people in NCAA hockey care about, A, the hockey or B, logic, the game. C, or, yeah. I mean, anything. It's, it's right. They're going to pick what they want, and they're going to go with it, and they don't care. They it, don't... it makes a lot of sense. I also think you... there's an element of control that they want, because what this does do is it now allows either the NCAA or the, or the referees to control the flow, like how the game goes. Well, right. Because it happens. I mean, an NHL referees control the game flow, too. It's just they do it by not calling anything. But they or do by it. evening up penalties and all that stuff, which you also don't see a lot of in college hockey the no. way they do in the NHL. And I think that's because the NHL probably cares slightly more about its product than the NCAA hockey does. Again, it makes a lot of sense if you remember that every decision made by the NCAA about hockey is an answer to the question, how can we make the wrong choice? Or how can we control what we want because of any sort of angle that we have? Anyway, um, yeah. So not only does Michigan's power play goal get wiped off the board, Penn State gets their second power play of the game, I believe. And it's an all-you-can-eat five-minute one, um, which they take advantage of relatively quickly. They get a two-on-one, and I believe it's a five-hole goal on Portillo. This one was really bad for Michigan, not from Portillo necessarily. But you have a really great player from Luke Hughes. He goes end-to-end, killing the penalty, ragging the puck. He gets no forward support. Yep. And you get this hard pinch from Nolan Moyle at the point, which, like, that's a do-or-die play. Yep. I don't want him attempting it in the first place, but if you're going to do it, boy, you got to make it right. Yeah. Because you see the defenseman go up, you got to replace. Yep. you got to, you know, get support there. And so then his version of support is he's going to try to pinch at the line like they're going to cycle. On a penalty kill. kill. On a five-minute penalty kill. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And the puck hops over his stick, and it's a two-on-one. Like that, you know. Yep. Not great. He does almost, so it's 3 nothing, and you're kind of like, well, whatever hope you sort of had by getting close earlier or um, even like the, the getting the power play goal is kind of gone, and you're just like, well, this is just what it is. And it doesn't really matter what Michigan does because something, they'll do something negative, they'll get called for something negative, and you just, this is how the game, this team, whatever, is. And... Um, so they, they they end up killing the rest of the penalty. They, it gets better after that. Moyle actually gets in alone um, and has a breakaway of all the people. And he hits the bar and, yep. and the inside of the bar at that. And you're kind of like, I mean, you know, if that goes in, okay, now 3-1, whatever. But that was, you know, that was probably, you know, I said this on the Sunday podcast, that was probably the best called back goal in Michigan hockey history. Because Michigan's had some doozies that have cost them some major trophies. And this one, I haven't seen Yost this lit in a long time. It was loud. It was angry. It was all-encompassing. And, like, Nerado kept his cool. But, holy cow, Michigan skaters and, and players definitely started playing with their hair on fire after this callback and and then after this major penalty and one in particular Mr. Luke Hughes who you know we have been harsh on and I think for good reason his defense has been uh inconsistent too bad at times um he has produced 
on the offensive end, but not at a mind-blowing level. You know, I don't want to be too critical, but he hasn't played like the fourth pick in the draft. He's played like a good college defenseman. And then the rest of this game happened. (laughs) And he got some help, but man, did he go on a heater because he fires one from distance and goes posting in and makes it three to two. And then you can just see the energy sort of pick up. And the game isn't hasn't swung back yet, but he but the team is now engaged. Yost is now engaged. They get they they work really hard, draw a penalty late in the second. They get great puck movement. You have two really two or three really good chances. And the best thing about this particular play, when you go back and look at it, is Luke has the puck near the top, has a decent look, but passes on it to hit TJ on the wing, who has another great look, but he goes back to Luke Hughes, who has the best look of the three, and he buries the shot uh, from about the top of the house to make it 3-2 and a power play goal. And then it's sort of like, okay, now it's on, because we've kind of erased a lot, and the team energy and level in still in the second period, still have a whole period to go, is now back on, and Penn State is on their heels. Yeah, the the Hughes goals, I mean, the first one is uh, masterful in the way he's dancing around from that, uh, the Penn State guy without a stick. Because he's out by the point. Yeah, and he skates around, skates around, and then, you know, he's hunting his own shot, and he gets a little lane, and then he uncorks it, and then the second one, you know, the second one I think is harder for, for Soulier because he is sliding across, but if you actually watch it, he gets beat far side. He gets over in plenty of time, and the puck beats him on the other side. I mean, they're both really, really nice shots. I mean, it's just like it was on Friday, right? This is kind of the story of it in terms of Soulier facing many high-danger shots and not coming up with any of them, and, you know... Great for Michigan for putting the high-danger shots on that, but if Penn State wanted to win, they probably needed one or two of those saves. Yep, and at this point, you know, you're going into the break. It's 3-2. It's a hockey game again. You're coming out, and Luke gets, Hughes gets another really good chance in the slot and fires wide, and you're just like, you're starting to feel like it's a matter of time, man. Like, I don't think Penn State can hold them off with this goalie against these, you know, the player, the talent that Michigan has with the intensity that they're at, like... I mean, you could see them putting in three, four goals in this period, and it wouldn't bat an eyelash just the way I've, I've watched the team play. When they play like that, you know, maybe Minnesota stops them. Maybe there's a really good defensive team that can be very um, smart with their checking, but um, it's just really tough with the speed and the skill that Michigan has. And then, you, you know, they kind of over-pursue a play. You get a two-on-one for Penn State. It comes back. Portillo makes the original save, but kind of falls well, he doesn't make the original save. The pass across hits Keenan Draper, I believe. He kind of grabs it, but doesn't get full on, then pushes it out and away. But at that point, he's sort of laying down on his stomach, is down and out of the play. The puck kind of pinballs around and is just kind of poked in to the net because it's just sitting just off the post and a Penn State skater comes by and taps it in, making it 4-2. to two. And it's really like, it's not, you know, again, you don't really feel like it's over, but it's just kind of a gut punch because yeah. it's against the run of play, right? It, it's was, like, it was definitely an error out of the balloon. It's just a goofy play. Yeah. I mean, he's... Did you think Portillo could have done better with that? I mean, he probably so. just needed to get his trapper on it when he was down. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's and he probably just, what I would say there. But he just didn't. And 
eventually not freezing the puck in those situations. Um, the next play is something that I haven't really heard anything on that we, I, there's not a lot to discuss, but it really is impactful. But Casey was taken to the locker room at this point where you have two guys that are skating with him, holding him up. And it doesn't look like he's putting a lot of pressure on at least one of his skates. And that's not ideal because he was having a good weekend. He's playing when arguably Michigan's most consistent both end defenseman all year. And now he's out. Not great. No, especially for that game. Um, and then we get <laughs> we get the poop goal. Luke Hughes again fires from distance. Soulier, I don't know. I guess it just goes through him. It manifests on the other side of him and dribbles out and rolls into the net. I mean, most of these we've been saying are high danger chances and good shots, and he just isn't doing enough. This is a low danger shot that isn't particularly great. It's right at him. I mean, well, it, it has to go five hole. I mean, there's no other really way because it kind of dribbles out from between his legs. Yeah, just, that one can't go in. Yeah, no. And it's 4-3, so you're kind of back in it. Um, and then <laughs> Luca Fantilli makes the pass of his life on a stretch pass, hits Duke from inside his own blue line to basically just outside the other blue line. We were re-watching it debating, I wonder if he was attempting to do that. Like, there is a guy that's coming, you know, 10, 15 feet in front of him, and it looked maybe like he was trying to hit that guy. And missed it, but then Duke is sitting at the other end, and it ends up being a perfect pass. So maybe Fantilli did mean to do that. Either way, results-based charting, uh, Duke is in one on zero, and as he's sort of falling down, he's fending off a guy from behind, the goalie comes out, and he just slips the puck around his far skate and into the net and ties the game at four. This is my favorite kind of goal, where not just is the goal scored, but the goalie gets plowed as well, right? (laughs) You enjoy good plowing? Well, it's double (laughs) whammy. It's a double whammy, right? They give up the goal and they get just bowled over. Yeah. That's, you know, always enjoyable if it's your team doing it. And you're allowed to hit the goalie as long as you score? Well, I mean, yeah, as long as you score. It didn't. It's not interference because it didn't affect his ability to make the save. Yeah. So it's 4-4 and then... Well, also he's falling over, right? Like, you can't just score on the goalie and then charge him yeah. and cross-check <laughs> well, him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It has to be circumstantial, but he's falling over. So 4-4, they've come all the way back. I mean, it is loud. I It is as loud as I've heard Yostin twice some time. just turtling. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they were up like 28 to 6 in shots, and now all of a sudden it's like 34-25. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, they had those 20 in the first period, <laughs> and then it slowed down dramatically for the rest of the game. And then Luke Hughes, again, because it's just his day, it hopefully is just his year, and this is just like the spark that's going to ignite the explosion, but hits another bomb from deep. I think this also goes post and in, or just inside the post, but this is a slap shot where he just gets all of it and powers one through, and it's five to four, but there's time left. Luke Hughes had 11 shots on goal in this game. I think uh, 17 attempts. Yeah, he was really hunting his shot, but this one is not him. This one is is Fantilli. Yes. Fantilli makes the play. He draws all the pressure and slips the pass, and you've got a shooting lane there. Well, he, little, little screen in front, but it's just the same thing we've been saying. He's sticking. A really nice high-danger shot that uh, Tillier doesn't come up with, and it's... You know, it kind of had a 1970s feel where, you know, these goals, you know, slap shots from the point are going in without a ton of screen. And again, they're great shots, but 
you know, modern goalies tend to come up with a number of those. And yeah. Soulier just didn't really, and uh, that's Michigan's benefit. One thing I'll say about Hughes, he might have played like 14 or 15 minutes in this third period. Because <laughs> I was doing the shift tracking last night. He was being double shifted. He was playing with every partner. He was out there, right? It was like one, you know, because he was Well, he had Pearson. two goals. And he was playing he was... with Pearson earlier in the game. But then in that third period, he's out there with Luca Fantilli. He's out there with... Uh, like Edwards at one point, he's out there with Karen at one point. Like he's just out there every single shift, more or less. But that's how you have to play it because you can't yep. you can't roll lines when you're down two and three goals, especially if nope. you want to. I mean, and that's something that you know we kind of dogged red and a little bit Melfors. They'd roll four lines, three pairings, four lines, three pairings, four lines, three pairings. And now you're what you're doing is you're like, you know what? I'm trying to win this game, yep. and I got the fourth pick in the draft, who no one can skate with. He's got a shot. I got to go try to win this game. And he did. Yep. And, you know, you mentioned the Fantilli play. Uh, <laughs> leading up to it, it was similar to the Casey play from the night before, where he just stick handles sure. yeah. through two or three guys, literally, because I think he, like, nutmegs a guy. I think it was on accident, but picks the puck up on the other side of two players and goes around, curves back, and then hits Hughes on that pass. And it's just those two guys, when they're on, are, I mean, they're as fun to watch as Michigan hockey players as we've seen. Yep. So you still have some time to kill off. Um, Penn State, uh, just at that point, they they giving up the tying goal was we got to get to overtime. Once they won it, or once Michigan took the lead, it was going to be really hard. I thought that Michigan just outworked them in the final third. Um, they... Brindley was good uh, forechecking, Fantilli. Like, they kept the puck in the zone. Penn State was having trouble just getting to the red line for a while. At the end, you know, they, they did get the puck in a few times, pulled their goalie, and got a couple chances. Portillo made a few huge saves again. A um, couple chances slid just wide, so they got a little bit lucky, which is what you need in, in situations like this. You know, it's an interesting weekend for Pertillo. A lot of people really called him out as be having a wonderful weekend, and I think that he did. Um, it was uneven at times. There are still things that he struggles with. He drops shots. Uh, he drops his stick a lot. He dropped his stick like three or four times and lost it on on Saturday. One, I think it was knocked out of his hand on a stick save. He got his handle up, and it got knocked out of his hand, found it again. Um, but in the end, he made a bunch of big saves, especially in those kind of crunch time opportunities on Friday down the stretch um, on that power play early on in on on um, it was Friday or Saturday night but like he he made enough plays that kind of overcome some of the goofiness that he has from time to time and you know in the end he, he got the two wins yeah Michigan was really good down the stretch they just continue to control play Checking in the offensive zone very, very well. I mean, Penn State couldn't pull the goalie till about 35 seconds left. Yep. And there was one little scramble at the end. And Luke Hughes was huge. Five seconds left. The puck squibs to the to the side of the net. And he, he plays goalie Bobby Orr style and, you know, kicks it out. And that was it. So r- another really big weekend. Um, another big game, but a big weekend for Michigan. Um, just gets right back in the thick of it. Uh, that's a good... Um, transition. We'll talk uh, to talk about other games. We'll get to the standings and um, and the Big Ten plays in a little bit. We'll go through a little bit of the our non-conference teams that we've seen. Um, sad day. Lindenwood did not play any games again. Also sad. Alaska Fairbanks. 
They lost to Anchorage. Oh, they did? Saturday night. They stormed back valiantly to, to win on Friday and then... Gave it away on Saturday. The dream is, is probably it's dead. It's fading. Yep. Uh, BU beat BC 6-3 to three, and then again 3-1. to one. They definitely held off the Eagles down the stretch on Saturday. Uh, but BU's just better, you know? I mean, they're ranked third in pairwise, I think. And they only have six losses, and one of those is to Michigan. Pretty good. Lake State split with Bemidji three to two. That's and a big deal. Three to two, <laughs> they got a win. That's win what number five? Something like that. Bemidji's okay. I think they're around thirtieth in pairwise, give or take. That's not okay. Um, well, it's not bad. It's not great. Let's go with that. Okay, but bad would be Lake State. Lake State is 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 terrible. Is is <laughs> abysmal. They are behind Lindenwood. Lake State, that was win number five for them. Yeah. Hey, they got a win, so props to the Lakers. Uh, Western Michigan beat Uno 6-1 to one and then lost 2-0 at home. Um, it was pretty even on Saturday, but Uno gets the two power play goals. But Uno, Uno's in the, in, the, in the hunt for a tournament spot. Well, it's a really messy NCHC. There are four, uh, three, four teams separated by four points at the top of the standings. So it's like the middle of the Big Ten. Denver, Omaha, St. Cloud, Western Michigan. And, and then who's so those are the top four teams. Those four teams. Okay. Then there's a big break. Yeah. And you know who would have thought Chris Mayotte's Colorado College are they the Cougars Tigers? They're the Tigers. Tigers. Okay. Colorado College Cougars would be kind of fun though. That would, that should be their name. Okay. But they are in a hunt for five through seven with Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota. Whoa! Could you imagine saying that? So Duluth and Dakota. Year are gonna... two, he's got them with Duluth and North Dakota. <laughs> well, or. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might be transverse, but... Um, and then poor Miami, seven points in 16 games. They have been bad yeah, they're not, for a not, while. Not good. Um, so Harvard, you know, they had an interesting weekend. They go 5-4 over the, to- the toothpaste. They beat Colgate in overtime. Um, they're down 4-2 to in the third and get the game-tying goal with 40 seconds left. Colgate also in that sort of Bemidji range. They're like mid... Yeah, Mid pairwise, they're fourth in the CAC. Yeah, and then they beat Cornell six to two, and you know Cornell is eleventh and Colgate's twenty eighth. You think these maybe these scores or games would be reversed? Not so, but a a huge saving win for Harvard over over Colgate, um, and then kind of a nice win over a really good team in in Cornell because Cornell I think is pro- is going to probably be in the tournament unless they go in the can. Yeah, it's a decent year for the ECAC. So now we can move on to the Big Ten and talk about... There wasn't much to talk about. Well... It was two teams that were much better than the two teams so they we can play. T- <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about Minnesota, Michigan State a little bit. Um, Friday night was a dump trucking. Is that a good word to use for that? There's no reason to talk about that. Game. It was 8-0. Yeah. That the was like... was over before it started. That was like last year Michigan, Michigan State games. Yeah. That was bad. Then on Saturday... 69-37 were shot attempts in that game. In the first game? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. No score effects there. Um, on Saturday, Michigan's uh, or Michigan State's up 2-1, to one, and they, there's a goal review that is um, iffy, and I remember Peter and I were watching this before the Michigan game started, and we couldn't, couldn't really tell which way it was going to go. It goes Minnesota's way. It's th- They tie it at 2, and then the dam breaks, and... Minnesota just takes over, and I think they win 6-3. to three. Yeah, they scored four goals in about 13 minutes. Michigan State looked like they were better in the first half of the year, and they are from what they were, but they're still not very good. 
they're a solid team. They're a well. They're fine. They're something. Yeah. Which is a huge, huge upgrade. That is. Kudos to Adam Nightingale. Wisconsin Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame wins five to three in an evenish game, which is kind of interesting. I believe these games were in South Bend. They got the finishing that night, um, and then on Saturday. Saturday was just the game you expect. They had three power play goals, but again, another evenish game. Notre Dame not doing anything at five on five. Wisconsin not scoring at all. It's kind of been their story. Yeah, our Notre Dame correspondent said he thought that uh, Notre Dame played pretty well on Saturday, uh, for whatever that's worth. Um, There's one thing that happened on Saturday that's probably worth talking about is Wisconsin's, I think Luke Lamaster is his name, got two five-minute majors and was uh, kicked out after the second one. Well, it would have been hard if they kicked him out after the first one. <laughs> that would have been impressive. If you, we would have Bobby Valentine back into the game <laughs> and got, wait a minute, did we already throw you out of here? This but, was a feisty game. Look at the penalties. Penalty, yeah, it was yeah. like nine. There were four penalties in the first period, four in the second, Ugh. and eight in the third period. What was and that? This was not, you know, a 1975 penalty fest where it's, you know, Everybody's six fighting. from the same brawl. Yeah. These are all minor penalties from different incidents. What was the? It was the second game that Michigan played against Lake State and this are, year. And these are, you know, these are not placing your hand over the puck penalties so like these are two hand chops these are aggressive penalties slashing uh there was hand on the puck for one but yeah. slashing once slashing twice slashing a third time <laughs> roughing once tripping once hooking once elbowing once cross-checking once high sticking once is there any is is this like hockey penalty bingo where we're just like <laughs> crossing off pretty much um so the the thing that's interesting is that all right. So Penn State. Well, there's one more thing we have to okay. talk about with Notre Dame. All right. So this got them over 500 because they were briefly in the pairwise top 15 while they were under 500, mm-hmm. which means you're not in the tournament. Oh, because you have to be over 500. You have to be to over 500 yeah. in the tournament. Okay. So now they're back over 500. So now they can split. Now they're yeah. Now they're yep. eligible again. So that was a big development. So the the second thing in. This also includes Notre Dame, so this is a good way to transition to the standings. Is so Minnesota is probably going to run away with this unless they go in the can. I think I think they clinch if they get three more wins, and they have like six games left. They're sixteen points up on Ohio State, who has eight games in hand. So Ohio State could get twenty-four points. So yeah, the magic number is eight. Yeah, so they get three wins, and they could clinch it this weekend. In theory, you're right. Oh, they so, don't play this weekend. So they can't. <laughs> so in theory, you're wrong. The next, so, their, their next series are two at Wisconsin. Right. So that will be when they clinch. Yeah, probably. Because Ohio State will have dropped some points. Most likely. Yeah. So it's really a battle for second at this point. And we talked about how, how important second can be on a number of levels. Because so Ohio State now has played the same number of games as Michigan. I believe it has 27 points. Yep. Penn State has also has 27 points, but has played two more games in Michigan. Yeah, so. Notre, Notre Dame has 26 points and has played two more games than Michigan and Ohio State. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes. And then there's Michigan, who's at 24 points, but they've played two fewer games than everybody. An easier way to describe that okay. is Ohio State 562 points percentage. Penn State and Michigan tied at 500. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame 481, MSU 444. Right. So that's kind of your standings at the moment. Michigan and, and Penn State are even with each other, but it's because uh, Penn State has three more points with two more games played. Correct. And so this weekend, though, well, so basically what we're talking about is what we're talking, for the standings. What we're talking about is if Michigan wins out, they get the two seed. 
<laughs> that's eight games. No, but I'm saying they now control their destiny. That's true. Which has not. Well, I mean, they might have controlled their own destiny last too, week, but or even two the point weeks ago. being, yeah. they're three back of a team they have two games head to head against. Yeah, and they are three back of a team they have two games in hand against. And they've played through arguably two of the three hardest series on their schedule. So the remaining schedule, eight games. Uh, four of them at home, two on the road, two at neutral sites. Mm-hmm. You get two against Wisconsin. You get Notre Dame at home. You get MSU in a neutral site, Ohio State in a neutral site. You don't get Minnesota. You don't get Penn State. Right. So that's a very favorable schedule. Yep. You should be able to win I, six. I, you'd want us to go six and two. Six and two? Let's go with that. Yeah. I, I mean, you can split the, that Ohio State series. and <sighs> Ohio State is in Hockey Valley this weekend. Yeah. They're at Notre Dame. Yep. They have the Michigan home and Browns. And home then, and Browns. <laughs> and then they go at Minnesota. Right. So they are in. They That's have a tough, tough schedule. schedule. They have to hope Minnesota is getting ready is, for the Super Bowl that week. Yeah. Resting their starters. <laughs> That's right. Um, and Penn State, I think, has a bit of an easier schedule, but they've also played two more games. Um, I, You know... You look at the schedule and you're like, okay, Michigan needs to beat Wisconsin twice. They're good enough to do that, especially if they get somebody back. Um, you know, they host Notre Dame at the end. You like Michigan's chances against Notre Dame, except that they just have not played them well at Yost for, like, yeah, but that's, your life. But this is the worst Notre Dame team we've seen in years. I agree, but these stupid things exist in college hockey. And we're then an, they We're put, anti-superstition on this podcast. Are we? Officially, yeah. Sometimes you're superstitious. We're, that's this is the new policy. Okay, we've implemented this. I wonder when this rule passed. Because did you jam this through before I could get my vote in? <laughs> so um, then, the other interesting thing is, um, you know, it, going to state. Like I don't think Michigan State's a great team, but holy cow, do they want to beat Michigan in anything? Well, but Michigan should want to beat them. So well, they should. But this Michigan team has a tendency to lose focus and to kind of well, this is not skate run. as hard. This is when we I, get to see what they... Well, and this is kind of where I'm going. Is like, you have a chance now to punish Michigan State for not being as good as you if you want to show up and show them who Big Brother is. And if you don't, you could screw around with that game. And it's worth noting, you know, getting into the three line is important just to avoid the semifinal in Minnesota. But the two line right. is is just really such a big one. Yep. Because, you know, MSU, if you're the th- probably the inside track to be the six, so if you're the three, you're playing them. They're a real team. Yeah. Um, Michigan's still definitively they be, they better. Be, they would be favored. But, but that's a real team. Yeah. You have to be conscious for that. Yep. You don't have to be for Wisconsin. You can be asleep that weekend. And well... We're going to find out this weekend, you right? You win two out of three against them. Yeah. So, um, And then you get the home ice in the next round, and you don't have to see Minnesota till the final. So the two seed is just so big. And, the, and if I'm Brandon Narado, I'm putting that, printing it out and putting it on the wall. This is what happens if you yeah. do this. And the, thing, the other thing about that is because we didn't even talk about this yet, but in the pairwise, Michigan has now vaulted themselves up to number four which is a one seed, which sounds weird considering they were in sixth in the Big Ten like a week ago. But that's what a strong Big Ten will do. And on top of that, they're probably in line to go back to Allentown, which is as, you know, if you count venues as being close, uh, this is the closest of the options. I was looking at the venues again last night. and They're like the same as last year. They did it again. Well, yeah. They managed to pick four places no one wants to go to. The the next time that Michigan has like a friendly 
place to go is 25 when it'll be in Toledo. Yeah. Hopefully they'll overwrite all of this and just go to home sites. But they need to be. We've been holding our breath for their schedule 30 to make years sure now. they're the one seed nationally in 2025. Yeah. So Man, you uh, what 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 you're talking about here is the more the further that you can go in the it's always nice to win the Big Ten tournament. It's nice to hang banners. I'm all I've always been all about that. But in this case, the farther that you play in these tournaments and the more games you win, especially you'll get good wins because you'll be probably playing teams that are in the tournament. You can cl- get closer and closer to ensuring yourself of having that one seed. And the other thing is that you look at it between what is it three and four or three three four I think and then like up to eight the pairwise are all like really really close. So whoever wins that weekend, you can go up and down yep. multiple spots. Yep. Um it's it's real tight. I mean, I think honestly the biggest part about getting a one seed is that you're just avoiding Minnesota in your region. Cuz Minnesota yeah. is the one team that I'm like, yeah, they're probably better than Michigan. Not yeah. that Michigan couldn't beat them, cuz yeah. they certainly could. We yeah. saw that previous weekend, but Minnesota is the one team that if you told me where they're playing a seven game series against each other, I would say Minnesota's definitely favorite. Yeah. I would agree. Everyone else, I mean, BU, we saw them. They're fine. Good team. They're good. Good team. Could easily beat Michigan. Michigan could beat them. Not sure I'd want to get them in the Northeast somewhere where all their fans can trek up. No, but I mean, my point being, we've seen them. Mm-hmm. They're good. Mm-hmm. Good team, but they're not, uh, you know, invincible. St. Cloud, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad NCHC this year. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. Penn State, we've seen them. Good team. Well, but- St. Cloud did beat Minnesota. They did yeah. split with them. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. It's one hockey game. Quinnipiac but- is like... I don't know. Like, they've only lost, like, two games. You know my position on the internet. I know. They have to beat the allegations of fraud in order <laughs> to win my respect. Well, we had a pretty easy two periods against them last year, and then, who oh boy. Michigan Turtle, yeah. <laughs> so, QPAC, if you see them, I'm very comfortable with that matchup. Well, um, we, I mean, we hopefully wouldn't see them until the Emily Frozen, Arena. The Frozen form, yeah. Yep. Well, no, I mean until, you know, yeah, yeah Emily, Emily Arena, Arena yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Denver, I don't know. Good team. Ohio State, sure. Harvard, sure. Western, sure. I mean, it, I don't know. This is this is a year where I feel like there's one team, and if everyone, if, if Minnesota doesn't win, it will be disappointing for them. And everybody else, if they don't win, it's like, yeah, someone else did. Yep. Uh, well, we were there last year, so we know how that is. Yep. All right. So this weekend, Wisconsin, uh, we'll just fly through their preview because there's, there's... no preview. <laughs> Well, they're, I did the research, so I'm going to make you sit through this because I know how much you hate it. They're 10 and 16, 3 and 13 in conference. 3 and 13. What is your they, summation in one word? No, I'm not doing that. Bad. 3 and 13 in, in, in uh, the Big Ten. They could get the number one pick. <laughs> unless someone went 2 and 14. But normally that would get you the number will one they pick. Get, will they get you to Bedard next year? No, I'm talking about Joey Harrington. <laughs> this is the NFL, God. right? 3 and 13. That used to get you the number one pick. 34th in pairwise. So, you know, that's not like as bad as like you would think right like that's still an okay team but what was like, that 34th like yeah, you're not good because they're 10 and 16 so they went seven and six in the non-conference right and they beat duluth duluth who twice normally you know they aren't very good but you know yeah that's not uh st thomas they're also right they're also 19th in corsi which is still again not terrible um, this is interesting. I thought, you know, they have a 21% power play, so that's not bad. That's above average, I would say, ish, give or take. And they're 79% on the kill. Again, not great, but it's not god awful. So the central problem for them is they have 23 power play goals and 41 even strength goals. Yeah. 
41 that is, in 26 games is played. Not many. No. <laughs> but how many were against Michigan? Like four, five? We don't need to look that up. Yeah. So they do have a bunch of skaters. They have a first-round pick at, on defense. Kulemans, I think is his name. Corson Kulemans. Corson Kulemans. And then they have a guy who's going to be a first-round pick. Charlie Strammel, he's not really a first-rounder yet in, in terms of his production college, but he's probably going to make the Holloway jump next They year. have one skater that's scoring above .75 points per game. Cruz Lucius. Uh, having a nice year, 26 points, I believe. And then their goaltending has been fine. 270 yeah. GAA and 913 for Jared, old friend Jared Moe, who we've seen play for about seven teams. They lose a lot of 3-1 games. So I they're, think they're not bad defensively, and they have a good goalie, but they just cannot score, and they cannot score even strength. They're shooting seven point uh, six percent, and last time I was dunking on them, then they scored against Michigan. So that'd be good if that doesn't happen. This is a game that Michigan, or a series that Michigan needs to win both games. Anything less than six points is, I mean, you know, if you get five or something, you're probably still okay, but like you're. These are team. This is a team that should not take you to overtime. We're gonna wind back the clock to the pre-COVID times, and Nick Granowitz hat trick. <laughs> is that where you're going? Against Wisconsin at home. <laughs> well, 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday, BTN Plus. So make sure you go out and buy something that costs way too much money for its production quality, and then make sure that you fast forward when you start the broadcast to get to the actual game, and you're not 30 minutes behind. Hockeycast 5.14 for Alex Train, David Nasternak. Next week's episode will be half as long because it's against Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs>